Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from MacBlue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Democracy Ish, I'm Torre. And I'm Danielle Moody. And I feel disgusted about <laughs> everything. <sighs> I, I, I mean, you know, we could go to Texas and abortion. We could go to the blackface wearing person protesting COVID over here. And yet we have whips and chains being used on Haitian people trying to come into America. And, you know, the other thing that made me think about is this, if Trump, if this had happened under Trump, and I imagine Biden and Trump have about the same amount of direct control over ICE, if this had happened under Trump, we would be losing our minds. This is the same as the camps and the shithole country and mm-hmm. all that shit. But because it's Biden and he's not going to say anything crazy. And when they asked Jen Psaki, she's like, I cannot imagine a situation where this is appropriate. Are we forgiving them because they started out on our side and we think that they are wrong and we think they're going to call someone and say please don't do that anymore i haven't seen anyone at ice get fired i have not seen any formal uh acknowledgement of like we have changed our policy and we will not be using whips <laughs> Whip. Can we just let's start? Why are they, why like, are they using whips? Also, at all, is that like a part of the uniform? <laughs> Do you get your green, you know, uniform dickies top and bottom, and they're like based on your height? This is the size whip right. they're going to give you that are paid for by the tax dollars that you know are taken from us. I mean, if they are, if if they they are government employees, so uh-huh. everything they have is, is paid, paid by for. tax dollars. Uh-huh. So we paid for their whips and. Is it wholesale at Walmart? No. Like, can I order it on Amazon? Stop. I am absolutely 
outdone. And no, I don't give the Biden administration a pass because I'm telling you, and I've said this so many times before on Twitter, that the new boss feels really, really kind of similar to the old boss. Meaning that I really appreciate Donald Trump telling me to my face, you ain't shit, right? That I don't care about breastfeeding babies on the breasts of migrant women. I'm going to rip them from you and I'm going to write a number on them and then I'm going to steal your children. I appreciate the honesty of their cruelty. What I can't stand is the Biden administration just always acting from this place of disbelief. I saw Madam Vice President Kamala Harris say, oh my God, This is so horrific and we're going to have an investigation. I don't need an investigation into understanding the, as Jen Psaki said, the context of what was happening. Mm. Because if you are black and in America and you see a white Texas border patrol agent on horseback wielding a fucking whip, Mm -hmm. I'm just confused about what other context you may need that would allow you to say, you know, that was bad what Chad did, but we can understand it because there's just so many of them. I mean, Jen, Jen Saki was clearly saying there there even though she does not know the context of that particular photograph, there is no context that could make that appropriate. So she was clearly saying, like, we have a problem even. And she's trying to like, I cannot have this conversation. I need to get out of this conversation. And there, there's no. Can you talk about how incredibly triggering that photograph was and it was all over social it was straight out of django unchained Mm -mm. and the history books a white man on a horse whipping a black man who is trying to escape him and had and let's just again unpack the image with three men two black men holding what looked like Food package, it looked like, you know, packaged food containers. Another one looked like they were holding water, right? So the image of itself, and then you see the, the rage on the white Texas Rangers face and the leaning over of the horse. And I'm saying what threat with their food and water, right? Rushing back to this encampment that is holding over 15,000 Haitian migrants where food and water are scarce. The Department of Homeland Security loves to tell us right now that they are providing provisions, but that's not what the fuck it looks like. And also, we can't verify that because they've closed down the airspace over the camp. Why would you close down the airspace if you're doing all of the right things? Why would you deter journalists or turn them away from being able to enter the camp. Paul Rotji, the photojournalist who took that picture that went viral, if not for him, we wouldn't know that there were human rights violations that were happening. So how is this Biden administration any better right now than than trump i mean we're not except separating. what because he didn't he doesn't outwardly call them shithole countries well, we're, we're not separating children from their parents yet but you know <clears throat> the heartlessness that so many americans can bring to the conversation of immigration is frightening and disgusting my wife is an immigrant she and her mother came here when she was very young 11 12 years old 
they, there was a war going on in Lebanon and they felt like if we don't leave, we're going to get hurt, killed, something drastic is going to happen. Generally, when people migrate under an emergency situation, they are poor people. Yep. They are escaping war. Mm-hmm. They are escaping some sort of homicidal situation, like the drug trade has taken over yep. our country, or there is some sort of massive deprivation in terms of there is no more food. There is no, no more, more work. Mm-hmm. There is no more water. Right. So we are running away from nothing, from either right. death or nothing. To and like you know, yes, they think to go to America because America is supposed to be the land of plenty. If we are truly a great nation, surely we can absorb fifteen. If fifteen thousand people come and knock on our door and say, "Oh my God, my world is crumbling. Can you please help me?" And we can't. If we can't help them, we are not a great nation and the notion that we don't have the resources to absorb 15,000 people as if they're all just immediately going on welfare and we're going to start kicking them checks and our resources are so finite that we cannot also help you know the american homeless the american veterans and several thousand afghans several i mean like if you look at the history of the last 40 or 50 years when a, a, a bunch of Mexicans show up, Cubans show up, you know, people, a large number of people from Vietnamese, we have ingested them into the country. They have almost always either become valuable citizens, rank and file, or successful citizens producing, adding to the country, adding to the culture of the country. So the history does not suggest, oh, look. In 1975, we took all these people from wherever and we're still paying out millions of dollars just to, that, that, that does not exist. So why are we, why is it so, why are we so able to be so heartless? I mean, the answer is racism. I mean, but the answer is Why are racist. we so heartless but, among people who are dying and drowning and saying, please save me the way that you saved the Irish, the Italians? You answer the, in your own question. Because the reality is, is that I can't think of a time (laughs) outside of the slave trade Mm. when black people, whether from African nations, from the West Indies, from wherever, came to this country en masse and were welcomed, Mm -mm. right? Because slavery, you were brought here to do a job. You were brought here as- They weren't really welcomed. Do you know, and but so when has so we say, well, why can't you do this like the way that you do with the Irish, with the Cubans, with the this, with the that? Because there's no value proposition for America in this other than living up to the creed that you have said that bring me your poor and your and your lowly and your this and your that to this country. There is a fear among white people of the shrinkage of whiteness, as if immigrants will continue to change the face of the country to where we'll end up with taco trucks or whatever it might be on every street corner and thus losing the power of whiteness as if immigration is the thing that will cost white people their power over America. They're already foreseeing a future 
where we're going to have uh, Latino and Latina presidents and governors and senators and mayors because they will be so dominant in the country. You know, there's just the victimhood of white people, the <laughs> fragility exhausting. of white people is exhausting. You know, one of the things that I find really troubling, and this is, again, this to me goes back to the desire by the right wing to ensure that white children learn nothing about the truth of this nation, right? Their pushback and their creation of a boogeyman around critical race theory is the fact that we have done an incredible, torturous, disgusting disservice to the nation of Haiti. It is historic in the ways in which we have penalized the one enslaved, former enslaved colony that rose up in revolution and they have been used as a pawn to say to other nations with majority, don't you do it, don't you dare. Because we are not even going to recognize them as a sovereign state. We're not even going to recognize you as, 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 a, as a self-actualized people. And so we are going to shackle you to debt, to crushing debt that you'll never be able to pay off. We're going to insert ourselves into your political structures and insert your presidents that are not going to be elected by the people, but chosen by the United States or chosen by France for our betterment. That is the history of our involvement with Haiti. So the showing up of 15,000 migrants on our shores is of our doing. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's definitely a byproduct of the way that we have treated Haiti for centuries and let's dive into that a little bit more because even when i was a kid i knew haiti was the the location of one of the few maybe the only successful slave revolts right Mm -hmm. they revolted against their slave masters kicked them out of the country i knew that as a kid what i did not know until very recently when i was watching uh uh exterminate all the roots incredibly important documentary on HBO about the history of genocide in the world that out of Haiti defeating the slave masters and expelling them from Haiti, France came back and said, you owe reparations to your slave masters, Mm -hmm. hundreds of millions of dollars and you as a nation will be paying this off. And it took Haiti like over a hundred years to pay this off. This tiny nation could not handle having a nine figure debt to France, one of the world's great powers. So that is a large part of why the country has remained in poverty. Yep. For over a century, because they had to pay this gigantic bill. And I wonder where they got that idea from. Could it have been the same way that, oh, I don't know, the United States government decided to pay reparations to the former Southern slaveholders for the emancipation of enslaved black people instead of providing those that they stole from their own homeland with the 40 acres and a mule as to say, so here, go off and prosper. No, no, no. We paid reparations to the slaveholders instead. So I wonder how shocking it would be that then you have 
France and other nations that do this. And because they didn't recognize the sovereignty of Haiti, Haiti wasn't able to trade. Haiti wasn't able to actually build up an economic presence. And so 60% of the population in currently is impoverished. This show is part of the. From the New Yorker staff writer, Vincent Cunningham, a keenly observed novel of a young black man searching for his place in the world amidst a moment of historic change. Great Expectations is about David's 18 months working for the senator's presidential campaign. Along the way, David meets a myriad of people who raise a set of questions, questions of history, art, race, religion, and fatherhood that forced David to look at his own life anew and come to terms with his identity as a young black man and father in America. Inspired by the author's experiences working on Obama's 2008 presidential campaign, Cunningham uses a political campaign as his narrative backbone. Great Expectations will be one of the talked about novels of the year, Colin McCann. Great Expectations is available wherever books are sold. Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from Mac Blue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. Pro-Democracy Podcast Coalition. The midterms are coming and it's more important than ever that we protect and fix our elections. We all know that our government is broken. Politicians spend more time working for themselves, their big donors, and their political party instead of for us. We as Americans have had enough of the corruption, partisan bickering, and gridlock. Look, I get that all the nonsense makes you want to tune out, but I'm here to tell you there's reason for hope. Our political system is broken now, but we can fix it. That's why we've partnered with Represent Us. A nonpartisan grassroots organization that has helped notch more than 160 victories to improve our elections and give power back to the voters where it belongs. Right now, until November, there are many, many ways you can get involved. Represent Us is working in cities and states to pass good government policies like ranked choice voting, and they're also recruiting folks to help staff the polls. Let's protect our elections now and for generations to come. Visit represent.us slash pod to learn more. That's represent.us slash pod. I wonder if it's even possible for Haiti as a nation to sue France Mm. in international court. Mm. Say we should not have had to pay a hundred million or some dollars to you. Because slavery is inherently immoral. You should never have been here as slave masters in this country. And we should not have had to repay you for, quote unquote, property that was never property. You were uh, imprisoning and human trafficking and, and mistreating human beings. You did not have any property. You didn't have any human right to own another person. Can they sue them? Mm. 
this is an Ellie Mistal question in yep. in international court and say you should repay the hundred million dollars that we had been paying to you over the years. I mean, then it would open up. Oh, I don't know because after the debt that Haiti had with France. They also had debt with the United States who then decided to occupy them. So it's like if you were to open that up, right, then literally everyone could be sued. Come and right and rightfully and and, and right on. and rightfully so. Maybe because they should be. you know, here's the thing that Ellie did ask uh on Twitter, uh our friend who has joined the show multiple times. He said, you know, I don't think that the Biden administration would be doing this to Cubans. I don't think that if there were 15,000 Cubans that were in Texas, that he would be doing this right now. And in talking about the fact that you only recognize certain communities of color as their value to your voting base, mm. right? Mm. Do we look at the Haitian population, the Haitian Americans, and say, oh, they're an important voting block? No, we don't. I mean, we, we do this over and over with brown immigrants that we demonize them, we cannot afford to take them in. And it's truly disgusting how we cannot find any heart for these sort of people. There's just no reason why we can't take them in. And I mean, like, even like we just recently were having the same discussion about Afghan nationals. Is there no understanding? That Afghanistan is a mess in part because mm -hmm. of us. Yeah. And there's a group of people, that, a few thousand people who were like, I need to escape here because this place is crazy. Nothing is working right here. I need to leave. Some of them saying, I need to come to America. And there is no awareness that we are a part of the problem in their lives that led to them saying, I have nothing. Can I come here and rebuild my life? And people are, especially on the right, no. I mean, I just want, it, it is just, when you listen to the rhetoric on the right, you had a GOP, uh, I don't even know who the person's name was, and frankly, I don't give a fuck, um, <laughs> who had said something to, something to, <laughs> Um, the respect of that the agents, these border patrol agents, are doing God's work, right? This this was God this was is not this was this was God is not patrolling the borders and hoping are that the sure? people are staying Torrey, in the know? countries that in the borders that we drew. But this is the same rhetoric and bullshit that they used to justify slavery to begin with, right? It is God's will and God's work is being done through the hands of these vicious, cruel white slave catchers, right? Because these people can't be left to their own devices, right? They can't be left to self-determination, right? So it, it is, it, we listen to this and we shrug it off as if like the entire, this two-party system that we pretend that we have, that it one isn't just steeped in, white terrorism mm. and that when they see these images they are applauding it they're not appalled they're applauding and we just we i i cannot stress enough that we continue to negotiate with this party in believing that what that they're going to come to the table they're going to have a heart they're going to care 
I saw the images Joy Reid posted on her Instagram and every other celebrity and media person has posted seeing little black babies on the shoulders of what looks like their fathers, their father figures trading through water that is up to their necks and hysterical crying, the trauma. No one would put their child through that trauma if what was behind them wasn't worse than what could possibly be in front of them. But we have no consideration of that in this country when we talk about our immigration problem. The problem is not the people. The problem is the policies that we have allowed to be on the books. Yeah, if you see people in an emergency life crisis with their families, they're poor, their country is so broken that they need to flee and come here, and you say... Did you fill out the proper paperwork? Did you wait in line? Did you provide all the necessary forms of documentation? If that's where your mind goes, the heartlessness. Like, did you go, did you stop at your local FedEx (laughs) to print out the necessary paperwork from the State Department? Did you go to your embassy and check with them if the bureaucracy said it's okay for you to try to save your life? leaving your war-torn, your famine-ravaged, your broken country, which is partly broken by the United States of America? Did you check in to make sure that all the bureaucratic hoops have been uh, gone through? Because, by the way, we have been struggling to, to create some sort of immigration system in this country for decades. And the Republicans in in particular, but also Democrats, have been unable to create some sort of reasonable pathway. So the the question of did you do all the right things? Well, what is the pathway? No one knows, to be honest, right? Like, what is the path? What is the pathway? Right? Rick Santorum told us that you know there was nothing here when his. When his family came, they arrived on the Santa Maria and the like there was nothing here. Right. So they didn't fill out any fucking paperwork. Right. But the rest of everybody else that came after needs to check some type of box. That's one of the things that really blew me away in uh, Exterminate All the Brutes. You have to watch this. Um, That this land was filled with people, American Indians. It wasn't like there was a couple of them in Massachusetts and we had a little dinner and gave them a little blanket and moved on. They were all over the place. And we made treaties with them and then violated the treaties. And a large reason why the American uh, weapon industrial complex was developed was so that people could go out and get rid of Native Americans yeah. as rapidly as, as possible. possible. Yeah. Remember the game that you had us play back when, when it was, if you could go back to a time, get in a time machine and go back, like what decade are you going to? And I'm telling you, I want to roll up on the shores of America and arm every Native American tribe with like rampant technology and say, they're going to come in. They're going to lie to you. They're going to tell you that they're here because they had were persecuted and they just need safe harbor. Whatever you fucking do, 
don't allow their boats to drop anchor. Shoot them. Whatever you do, don't let one oar touch the fucking fertile ground that you've created in this country. I am warning you. That would be like, that would time machine me back to there. I mean, you know, that would be a start. That would be a start. I think they'd still come between, in droves. Between that, but even if we had an, an, an interesting conversation on Toray Show with uh, an historian. What show was that? Toray Show, my, oh, other, my oh, podcast. Oh, oh, um, we talked about the history of slavery and, and really diving into some parts of the African side of it. Mm. And the question mm-hmm, was, mm-hmm. did the Africans who were part of the slave trade, did they know what they were doing? Did they understand what they were doing and selling some? And, you know, this, the story was making the point, no, they did not know what they were doing. They certainly did not know that the people who they were selling into slavery would be uh, treated as harshly in America as they are, were in the peculiar institution. They did not realize that that their children, this was going to be a permanent thing for their families, their children and their children's children would automatically become slaves. And, you know, like, yeah, if you took that time machine, you went back to Africa mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you were like, guys, no, don't do this. Yeah, don't, it's, don't. it's not worth the new crown that you want but to get. It, it, and I don't want that to be some sort of I'm blaming the Africans for their part because I'm not because they did not, they knew they were selling individuals to Europeans for slavery, but they did not know the full depth of what they were selling these people into. Um, but, you know, see, if, if, if we could somehow erase that part, because mm. it is slavery mm-hmm. that led to this country becoming the, a superpower. The superpower. Yeah. This is the economic driver yep. that creates the wealth. And, and, you know, a lot of white people love to, to play the game of like, well, my ancestors didn't own slaves. Only this percentage of people own. Well, you know, those things may be specifically true. You're still benefiting from white skin privilege that comes from the history of slavery and the development of wealth in the white community and the restriction of wealth from the black community. Mm-hmm. But there mm-hmm. were many organizations insurance companies and other sorts of companies that were profiting off of slavery without actually owning slavery cotton was the biggest crop in the world you didn't need to own slaves to benefit from cotton right but you're benefiting from slavery right Use that with the pharmaceutical industrial complex. The Sackler family that is responsible for the Mm. opioid crisis in the United States didn't need to be standing on every street corner giving out Oxycontin, right? All they needed to do was create a business that then was going to allow people to become addicted to something that they could then financially benefit from. Mm -hmm. It is the same thought process and the same streams of things that we put on every single thing. It's like, oh, well, my hands are clean. Like our entire injustice system is built on protecting certain hands from being clean, from saying, well, I didn't raise the whip, right? Like Mm. you just sold it, Mm. right? Like, oh, well, I didn't put the shackles on. No, you just produced them, Mm. right? So like, let's not like 
play games. And I think that that's, that's the distraction of white supremacy. It's like the playing the games of, well, I'm not to blame. Why do I have to feel guilty about this? Why do I, why do my kids have to learn about how, what white people did? Because I don't want them to feel guilty about their white skin. But Ibram Kendi um, is really important thinker on this whole issue. And he was also on he sure. was on Woke AF as well. <laughs> Fascinating. Interesting how you copy. <laughs> yeah. He's on your draft. He's on mine. So slow your roll. Whatever. Um, he talks about anti-racism, right? Not just racism, but anti-racism. And if you're not part of preventing racism from happening, mm-hmm. if you're not anti-racist. Actively. Then you are allowing the status quo to continue to produce bias and difference between the two groups. And it's not enough to say, well, my ancestors didn't own slavery, slaves. Did they fight against slavery? Mm. Because if they- Were they they abolitionists? Were they abolitionists? Because if they were happily living in a world where there was slavery- Right. And not fighting against it and not voting against it and not uh, agitating against it, then you were helping to perpetuate it by saying nothing. Even worse, you weren't even literally benefiting from it. Like I see the slave owners would be like, well, at least we were making money from it. You weren't even making money from it and you weren't trying to stop it. Mm. You were letting us cake up. You weren't getting anything. And you weren't trying to stop it. Mm. You were just like going along with it, even though it wasn't getting you anywhere. So you allowed it. You have dirty hands also. Yeah, I just, it's the desire to have, to take no responsibility for anything. Mm. That is this nation's true legacy. It is to have hands off, no accountability, no responsibility. Oh, why did the Afghans get here? Why are the Haitians coming in? Why are the people fleeing Central America? Because you fucked their countries up, mm-hmm. right? Because you allowed drug wars to perpetuate. Because you filled or you created arms races. Because you made them destitute, right? Like you are to blame. None. Like America is not blameless, but love. Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change a brand new podcast from Mac Blue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 
cops to pretend that they are these cowboys, right? That's why they look at the fucking images coming out of Texas, because that is the American cowboy. Mm. They get to relive their fantasy right now. He does look like the Marlboro man, doesn't he? I mean, it's disgusting, but it's always like, well, I didn't do it. Then who did? And if you if you didn't do it, then to your point, why aren't you actively trying to put the blame on who did and make sure that they're held accountable? It is Mm -hmm. not enough to throw up your hands and just be like, well, one me. Mm. Mm. You wouldn't have shit if it wasn't for all of the things, the atrocities that have been done in your name. I mean, you know, you made me think about the Middle East where it is American occupation that has radicalized so many of those young men it has ruined their countries and made them say the answer is for me to be violent and take up arms against america don't start none won't be none (laughs) we act like we were protecting america and israel no we were occupying their countries they see it as fighting back mm-hmm. against the occupier. They are radicalized in prisons that we created over there. Absolutely, we are part of creating the terrorists who now we are afraid of. Correct. One person's terrorist is another person's liberator. It is a matter of perspective. Mm. And we love to look at other nations and point at them and say, oh, how horrible. Look at how they treat their women. Look at what they're doing. They're stoning them to death. Well, what the fuck are we doing in the United States? Mm. Right? You're denying women autonomy over their own bodies. Right? You don't provide them equal, equal pay for equal work. Right? Like... One in five women on a college campus is going to be raped. We have no policies around that. So how dare you point fingers at what you think are the evils of another nation because of what they are doing when you do the same thing? And then we want to call it the American Taliban. No, it's not. It's American Christianity, fundamentalism, right? Own your own shit. I'm exhausted by this place. Like America owes me a drink. It owes me reparations. It owes so fucking much because you're too much. (laughs) It is. It's too much. I can't be this full of rage all the time. And yet you are. And yet I am. It's funny because, you know, I could call you at midnight out of of sleep. You'd be in a rage. In a rage. Ah! (laughs) Then you'd you'd be like, because you're calling me, Tori. I hate you. True. Thank you for listening to Democracy-ish. I'm Torre. And I am the angry Danielle Moody. You're just the ABW all (laughs) over the place. (laughs) I would say we'll be back next week, but I mean, you know, it's the fucking country's going to hell in a handbasket. Hell in a handbasket. Oh, my God. Riding into the sunset, pun in fucking tendon.